priest that he's supposed to go to the ends of the earth and spread the gospel. And that's why he wanted to get to Spain. He wanted to get there because he was like, I want everyone to know. I want to go spread the gospel. Us too are called in the Great Commission to go out into all the world and love and show Jesus Christ and make disciples. Today we get to talk a little bit more about the missionary part. We're Living Hope Missionary Church. And, and in that, we give a percent. We don't just say, hey, we're about missions. We give percent of what you give. We give to missionaries. We give that out in our, in our budget, in our money. It is set aside for that because that's what we're called to do. And it's not just here. It's all around the, the world. So at this time, we get to hear the story. It's not me telling the story. I get to ask some fun questions, and I have some doozies. Uh, we are going to have uh, uh, Steve and Danae come up, and they are going to be able to uh, talk a little about, about what they're doing, and I'll let them explain it because they are much better at it than I am. So come on up. Give it. Perfect. Um, so before we get started, I would like you guys to tell just a little bit about, you know, your childhood. No, just joking. Uh, no, uh, just, uh, I know we were sort of talking a little bit about what do you do, how, like, what, how do you guys find each other, but what did this whole journey begin? How did it begin? Yeah. Why don't you Um I don't know if I can make that really quick, but I will try to make it as quick as I can. Yep. Um, so when I was 19, that's really when I truly committed my heart to, to the Lord. I always knew Jesus was my Savior. I grew up in a Christian home and church every Sunday. But at 19, I realized he wasn't my Lord. And part of my decision-making, um, I was going to college to be a CPA and a, and a, a lawyer. I wanted to be a, a business um, lawyer, corporate lawyer, make a lot of money. Anyways... When I made Jesus my Lord, I realized I had never consulted him in any of that. And actually, at that time, I felt called to cross-cultural missions. Okay. Um, but then Steve and I met, and um, I was able to serve in cross-cultural missions right here in the United States. Did a lot of different things right here in Fort Wayne. Um, we did our first mission trip together as a family when our older girls were just seven and three. And um, at about 40 years old, um, Steve was called, and I'll let him share that. Yeah, well, my background is I grew up in a Catholic church, and um, missions was really far from my mind. Um, in fact, when I, when I became born again um, in my, I don't know, late 20s, um, early to mid-20s, <laughs> thank you, um, it was still foreign to me, although we did take some short-term trips and God was opening my eyes to the needs around the world. Um, I might back up here just a moment. I, one, of the, one of the hardest things for me, um, I guess, coming to Christ was that I figured as soon as I committed my life to Christ that he was going to send me to, I always thought of Africa. I don't know why, but I just thought, you know, when you give your life to Christ, that's where people go, you know. God sends you to Africa. And that was one of the hardest things for me. I had, I really, I, I really didn't, had any, I, I didn't have any interest in doing that. 
And so it's just funny and ironic how God does kind of change, change your heart. I, I mean, he does. When, when you do come to Christ, you become a new person, and you have new interests and new desires. So, um, yeah, I don't know if that is. So then uh, when Steve felt the calling, oh. too, that was when he actually went back to school for prosthetics, um, and it was something that really fit him. He had been an EMT. He had um, thought about going back to school for nursing, and prosthetics is kind of the combination of that. It, it mm -hmm. addresses the compassionate component of outreach that nursing does, but also in building, building things. And so um, he went back to school, and then I had to go back to work because I was doing volunteer things um, while we raised our, our kids. And we're still raising our kids, but um, <laughs> he, never, never ends. <laughs> yeah, but um, so I thought what I wanted to do would be to raise support as a missionary, and I thought work full time in, in in Fort Wayne with the organization that I was serving with, volunteering for, working with um, Muslims from from Northern Africa here in Fort Wayne, and so. Um, but God had different plans. We we went overseas that first year just to kind of try it out. While Steve was in school, we went to Bolivia, and that is, that's now where we're still, one of the places where we're still working. Cool. If that so, makes sense. So what are you guys doing exactly right now? So what's, where are you guys at? What do you guys do? With you going back to school, you're still not in school. Hallelujah. Yeah, and so what are you guys doing now? Yeah, right now we, um, we do uh, run our clinic in Bolivia, and uh, God has opened doors for us in, in Kenya, and so we have been um, pursuing that. We do, and I'm not going to, yeah, the prosthetics clinic in, in Kenya, um, and we can speak more about that. We have, a, you know, uh, some things that I'll let Danae speak to um, about some plans for the future for, um, for Kenya, but yeah, we, we kind of go back and forth between uh, the U.S., Bolivia, and now Kenya with, at the prosthetic clinic. So to explain that a little further, for, because it's great to see so many familiar faces here, but I also mm -hmm. see new faces. And so we have a prosthetics ministry. Steve actually uh, makes custom-made legs for people who have suffered from an amputation. Um, there is a, a huge lack of medical care in the places we work, and the cheapest way to solve a problem a lot of times, unfortunately, is to, is to cut a limb off and so these people are sent home from the hospital with no hope to work again um, and the places we work in um, people are considered if you're disabled um, you're considered cursed or shamed and and that is a lot of the reason why we got into this ministry so when I was doing um, volunteer mission work one of the first places we went as a family was India and we learned there that because of karma people looked at those born with disabilities as really untouchable because they had to pay the price for something they did in a previous life. And so you don't help those people because you might take on their, their bad karma, you might take that on yourself. And so if a child is born disabled, you leave them lie um, to die or to beg and um, you don't help them. And that's not acceptable. And we have learned um, in the places we work still in Bolivia and in Kenya now, it's, it's very similar. So people that are disabled or become disabled are looked at as a burden and a shame mm -hmm. and still cursed. And, you know, it's nothing new. Satan does not have, he's not creative. All he can do is repeat the same lie that he's told from the beginning of time. And, and in John chapter 9, Jesus is walking along the road, it says, and he and his disciples came up on a man who had been blind since birth. 
And his disciples, who had fallen for the same lie, asked him, Jesus, why is this man born blind? Was it because of his sin or his parents' sin? And Jesus answered, and he said it wasn't because of either, but so that God might be glorified through him. And then Jesus proceeded to heal this man. And, and so that is what we're about today, touching people who others consider um, untouchable and restoring hope. And it's our, our hope that we would not just um, restore mobility, but it's a holistic ministry where it's, we use it as a means to share the gospel. And so that it's not just physical hope that is restored for this life, but that it is eternal hope that, that there is a God who sees and who restores and who hasn't forgotten them. And, and really, that is best told through a story. And we, we prepared a story. Yeah. Um, I'll let you. Yeah. <laughs> there we go. OK. Yeah, sometimes stories do have a better way of, of uh, conveying the understanding. But this is Naomi. Um, Naomi was, uh, came to our clinic. Um, she sustained uh, burns as a toddler. Uh, she fell into a cooking fire when she was a toddler, and uh, because of those serious burns, she lost both legs right at the knee. And so, um, you know, it, the, the really sad part of it is, had she been in the U.S., I'm sure that those legs could have been, you know, she could have been fine. But uh, growing up, you know, poor, there was, from a poor family in Africa, um, she ended up having them both amputated. So for years, she walked on her stumps, um, as many people do when you're poor and you um, lose your limbs, you really have no options. And so uh, for her, that meant walking on her stumps and just getting around. Um, and so we were just delighted when she came in to be able to fit her with uh, prosthetics, uh, two of them, and, and be able to see her take her first steps after many years. And so, you know, we just pray that God would continue to, she's such a strong girl. And, um, um, physically and, and mentally, and we just pray that God uses her in mighty ways um, to be able to, to share what he's done for her. In that picture, too, the legs you see, those are um, without a cover, and obviously she doesn't have shoes on yet, so as she goes back to school, she'll you know, as she learns to walk on them better and better, other kids mm -hmm. um, won't even know necessarily that, she's, that she has prosthetic legs, which again, unfortunately, in that culture, is is good for her because people, like I said, with disabilities are looked down on. Um, so so that's what we do. But can I can I share one? I'm sorry. <laughs> no. Um, uh, when we when we see our patients, um, like we said, we it's a holistic ministry, and sometimes there's peripheral <coughs> ministries that come up. And um, we first met Naomi a year and a half ago at Tenwick Hospital, and we had just been there. We were at Tenwick. We were doing another clinic at a, at a church in Nairobi, and we were at Tenwick just for a week. And the first day at the clinic, Sister Emmy, who is on the right there with Naomi, or my right, your left, um, she brought nine children from a hostel where she cares for 78 kids, all with disabilities. Um, all nine needed limbs, and we were not in a position at that time to help them. We were testing out a low-cost leg and, and couldn't do anything. So when we were back at Tenwick this past January, we were able to give Naomi um, legs and help some of the other kids too. But Sister Emmy, Rem, Remy, our six-year-old and I, well, she was five at the time, were out in the hallway playing with the other eight kids. We brought Remy's coloring book and crayons, and you know, kids speak all languages through you know, 
toys and, and smiles and just playing, right? And so um, we were trying to loosen up the atmosphere there. And um, Sister Emmy invited us, invited me to come see the hostel. And so I, I went, and this is, this is a hostel built by a Catholic church right next to a public school. And it's built there because the kids with disabilities can't go to school because they can't get from the village, they can't walk the mile or two miles to the school. And so normally they just don't get to go to school. And so the Catholic Church had built this hostel and I found 78 children there. It's a bare bones kind of place. Think beans for breakfast, beans for lunch, beans for dinner, fruit on Sundays, um, meat rarely. Um, but Sister Emmy does the best she can and she clearly loves these children and it's a calling for her. And so we had just come out of COVID recently and I'm thinking, what do these kids do? Because there are many of them in wheelchairs. And so I said to her, do you have a library? And you have to understand in Kenya, as in most of Africa, there's no culture of reading. Most homes do not own not even one book. And, um, and she said, oh yes. And she, uh, <laughs> she said, oh yes, we have a library. I, I, I don't know, maybe you could just switch the, and she shows me this, and I thought, oh golly, Lord, we can do better than that. And so some of you were a part of the rebuilding of this library. So last time we were there, we were able to, in the next slide, um, put in over 400 books and school supplies and crayons. And, and some of you here played a part of that so that these kids can learn to read. And they love the Bibles, the Bible stories, the children's Bibles. And so it's mostly... Christian literature and educational stuff, science books um, with pictures of animals and things um, so that they can explore the world outside their, their area. And if you, one more slide. Um, this is just some of the kids holding some of the school supplies we brought. Um, but th these are the kinds of, of people that, that we reach. And so not just providing links, but also on the outlook for what God is doing and how we can come alongside what he's doing in other places as well. What a beautiful story. It's, it's hard to look at the pictures, but it's also God loves them. And it's awesome to see that God's put that on your heart and the impact. Is there any other stories or any other impact? Uh, I know you've had a couple that you talked about uh, a little bit earlier when we met earlier. Is there anyone else that has laid a huge impact on your life and uh, moving forward in ministry? Oh, yeah, yeah. Do you want to share about Martha? Okay. Yeah, well, Mar Martha, um, next slide, Jason, if you would. Um, yeah, there we go. Martha came in. Um, so I was on a trip. Uh, we were, um, I was working in Bolivia, and I had like a week to go on this trip. And usually when patients come in, I, you know, I have a set m amount of time there. And so I usually uh, figure, you know, so many patients and then no more, and I try to get them all done. Um, Martha came in a week before I was to leave, and uh, I was really didn't have any time. But I knew after talking with her, um, she was a bilateral, meaning she has she was missing both um, legs below the knee, and uh, she had been in a wheelchair for the past seven years. She had lost her legs to a um, bacteria, flesh-eating bacteria, and um, so she'd been in a wheelchair for like seven years. So when she came in, I just knew, talking with her, that she was somebody that I, I, I needed to make legs for. And so I, I uh, set about making legs. And so we got her up and walking. Um, she, she just was one of these people that you knew that she was going to do really well. She had that spirit about her and just very um, 
ambitious and and uh, she's done very well but we have maintained um, connection with her she's one of our patients that we see every time that we're in Bolivia she, you know we make it a point to have her come in and our families have um, we've shared meals with her and her family and it's just been a great um, a great um, con uh, just a connection she's just a wonderful person you want to add any more to that well, on, on top of that, a couple of things just to show again what it's like to be disabled in these places. And this is Bolivia, not, not Kenya, but it's very similar in Kenya. In Bolivia, Martha, like most people, depends on public transportation. And so we may have shared this before, but it's worth sharing again because it's, it's an, it illustrates what life is like for so many people. Um, buses don't have set places that they stop. You, you wave them down and you, know, you, you let them know that you want them to stop. And so when a driver sees somebody in a wheelchair, when we met Martha, she had a baby in her arms as well. Um, she shared with us that she would wait sometimes for three hours for a bus or a taxi to stop because no one wants to, because if they stop, they have to get off the bus, help her on. Somebody has to help with her wheelchair. She takes up more than one space because she has a wheelchair and a baby. And Martha would literally have to get on her hands and, and knees and crawl onto the bus. And you can imagine how humiliating that is. And it's really just been so neat because Martha is one of those people that is just full of joy no matter what. And I don't know if we have another, can, the next slide. Yeah, that's Martha. That's at Martha's home. She had us over for dinner, but you can see she's got skinny jeans on. You don't know that she's she's um, got two prosthetic legs. She does so well. And just last a couple few months ago, she sent us a letter saying how thankful she was that she just they had a new kitten and she was able to take the kitten to the vet. And not only that, but her daughter is Remy's age. Her oldest daughter. She's had a new, another baby. She was, she's able to walk her daughter the seven blocks to drop her off at school and pick her up every day. And those things that we take for granted are just such a life-changing um, thing for somebody like Martha who before could not do that. So when we were able to get together, I found the process of making the leg really interesting and also like from how you get even the material over there and how you get that because there's only so much and uh, the price, because it's just not there. Over here, you go to the hospital, you, there, you can get stuff. You know, over there, there the, the material you need is not really there. Can you explain a little bit of how the process works of making legs and or making yeah. this work? Yeah. yeah, you have to understand that working in these countries that we do, that, you know, like Pastor has said, not everything is available. Everything that we need is not available. So we, we improvise constantly. Um, what we do is we receive donated prosthetic um, legs here in the U.S. I disassemble them. Um, we take them with us in suitcases, sometimes up to 150 pounds of, of these parts. We take with us to Bolivia and Kenya. And um, we assemble them, reassemble them, reuse them, and we make custom-made pros uh, prosthetic legs with them. So it's not a perfect science. Um, and like I said, we improvise daily in the clinic and so um, but we do put out a really a really good leg a very high quality leg um, I'm trying to think of what else if there's anything else that I'm missing about that process but you know we we use locally sourced materials wherever we can but we do rely on on parts from the the US right now 
also train and equip. I don't know if you Oh, yeah. That's a big part of the ministry as well. Training and equipping um, was something that we really feel is necessary for the ministry to become self-sustainable. Um, as we mentioned earlier, we have a clinic in Bolivia, and I've been training a guy there. His name is Elias. We've been training him for the past seven years or so, and he's gotten to a point now where he is able to uh, carry on. He's able, he's able to take a patient from beginning to end, um, and so he's able to run the clinic while, while you know, I'm away. Um, it's, and, and we have also, um, we also have another prosthetist there right now that has uh, come alongside the ministry and is um, working in the clinic as well. So um, training and equipping is very important, and, um, and we're just thankful to God that he's brought Elias to this point. Elias also, you have to understand, he, um, he grew up very poor, uh, in a very poor family, um, family of like 10 kids and, you know, lived in, a, in like a mud hut with a dirt floor, um, never finished school, um, but he, when we first met him in Bolivia, uh, he asked what we were doing and we told him and he said, boy, I'd really like to, I'd really like to be a part of that. And we said, well, you know, that's great, but you have to understand that we're not able to pay you. And I mean... And he's like, well, that's something that I would like to do. I just, you know, I, I would like to be a part of that ministry. I'd like, to, I'd like to be able to do that. And so he has. He's really donated. He's really volunteered thousands of hours at the clinic um, because he's felt that, you know, call from God, that, that God has put that, um, that desire in his heart to, to be able to help his fellow, fellow Bolivians. Um, yeah. But we have a video of inside a yeah. clinic, and yeah. um, go ahead. Uh, if you could flip. Good morning, and welcome to the clinic at Tenwick Hospital. Over here, as you can see, we have our waiting room. As patients come in in the morning, we, <laughs> we, assess, we assess them. We take a casting of their uh, leg, and then if you'll come over here with me, you can see um, a couple of models that we have uh, made from the patient. Over here, you can see one that is in progress of being modified. And then over here, we have one that's ready for lamination. These are all below knee legs. Then over here, we have a above knee leg that we're making for a patient that's almost completed. Very excited about seeing her walk on that. Couple of other ones, couple of below knee legs that are almost completed. And um, yeah, we have an assortment of tools and machines that uh, help us in fabrication. That, that was just a short video, just to kind of show you the surroundings of what we're working in. And you know, it's not, it's not perfect, and again, we improvise a lot, but you know, we have what we need and, and we make it work. Um, you know, it's something that every trip we take is bathed in prayer and, and uh, God has been faithful. So as, as we just saw this, what does the future hold? What does the future look like? What is the steps that God's been putting on your heart to, to go forward? Yeah, so in, in Bolivia, we, the clinic is at a local church, 
and the church has a heart for the ministry and is really moving forward with it, the pastors at the church, and also in partnership with a local NGO that builds clinics in, out in outlying areas. And so it's it's been really good. It's been a God-given thing. And so as we have um, moved into Kenya, some of you know we, we tried Uganda, and we've been in several different places in Kenya looking for the right partners. And this last trip, the Lord really answered our prayer in that. And we ended up at a hospital called Latane. It's about 45 miles from Tenwick Hospital. Some of you have heard of Tenwick. And the CEO of Latane Hospital came from Tenwick. He started as a nurse at Tenwick. He's a Kenyan man. He, he worked his way through medical school, became a doctor, and now he's running this mission hospital called Latane. And he has a heart in his words. He said, you know, we, we perform these amputations. We have people with disabilities that come all the time. And right now we're sending them home without hope. And we can't do that. We can't keep sending them home without hope. Um, but they don't have the resources needed. And so one of the things that God has opened up the doors for us in the last year is to start our own organization. So we are missionaries under Ripe for Harvest World Outreach, but we've also just launched and just gotten our 501c3 status, an organization called Project 11.5 based off Matthew 11.5. And we, um, in partnership with Latane Hospital, have the vision to build a whole rehabilitation center. So not just a, a prosthetics clinic, which we will be part of this, but also the rehabilitation so that, that those who receive legs and those that come, many of the kids that you saw at the hostel, um, could be walking if they had access to physical therapy. And so um, Solomon Rop is also a Kenyan man who we've known now for about a year and a half, and he is starting a new physical therapy program at Latane with very limited resources in a room about half the size of this stage. And so our hope is, I think if you forward one more slide, um, I think, yeah, that is, that's Dr. Terrer uh, next to me, and then Solomon is, is on the other side of him at Latane Hospital. And so we are taking on a God-sized project. We never um, set out to build anything um, other than the kingdom of God, right? But, um, but the Lord has really led us to, um, to build this rehabilitation center. And so we're looking to raise about $250,000. And um, that will include the building. It will include equipment. And it will include a salary for a prosthetic technician for a year that Steve will then be able to come alongside and train, and also a chaplain that would be working at the rehabilitation center all the time to pray with patients, to be sharing the gospel, because we don't want to be about the business of just making legs or seeing people walk, but about the business of restoring um, their whole life, and that includes the spiritual as well. And these people come broken. So many of them come with no hope. And so um, to be able to restore hope is, is a huge thing. And so um, we will stay as missionaries under Ripe for Harvest, but we, through our new organization, are, are going to be doing this project. Um, and I think, one, is there one more slide? Oh, th yeah, this is the back of Latane Hospital. Um, this is where the, um, the rehabilitation center will be built. And, um, and then those are our plans. So, so that is what God is, is doing currently. That's awesome. How can people stay connected or how can people uh, help? Because I'm sure looking at these pictures, looking at this, these stories, people want to help. How can they come alongside? Um, well, pray. <laughs> 
we have found that God answers prayers, and every time he's called us to do something, you know, Elias that, that Steve shared about that he's been training in Bolivia, he is an example of, of somebody that was just willing, and God took a guy who was uneducated, um, but saw the need, there was a man he knew in his village that had, had lost his leg 20 years prior, and he knew there was a need for, for legs, and he was, he was willing, and God has done such a work in him, and has done so much more through him than anybody would have ever given him credit for, and so, um, and, and that's because of prayers, and so we, we ask for prayer. We need that. Every trip needs to be bathed in prayer, everything we do, um, and, and so if you want to know how to pray, you can sign up for our email updates. We try to send them out once a month. Sometimes it's not quite that, but um, we tr do our best. And, um, and then give, be a part of it, or come and see what God is doing. Um, so pray, give, go, I guess those are the traditional missionary answers. But, they, but they, truly, they truly are something you can do to be a part of this. Do you have anything to... I don't. That she pretty much summed it up. Um, <laughs> um, yeah, no, we're just, we're just very excited. We're just thankful for your, you know, your partnership. You guys do feel like family. Obviously, we have family. But um, we do, uh, we do um, just covet your prayers and, and, and your participation. So. What I love about this is that you, because uh, this this last Tuesday I was talking to Josh Hawkins and he's across the, the country as well. And as you guys go over there, it was so refreshing to me is that we are in the family of Christ together. No matter if we're this close right now or when you're across the country making a, making a leg or whatever, you don't, you don't represent living hope. You don't represent, you represent Jesus Christ. Yeah. And what a beautiful thing that is. And I know for us, too, as we maybe live here, we represent Jesus Christ. We, too, are missionaries. We, too, whatever we do, we do to the best of our ability, and we give it. And that's why I love it. You're packing 150 pounds. I could see you being like, this is 149.5, not getting over, but trying to trying to, to do it not for your glory but for the kingdom of God. And uh, that's just refreshing. Um, I do think that it's a spiritual warfare. I do think it's not just physical. I do think that, and that is so interesting to see. And so I think so many times we, so many people just bypass the prayer and just be like, yeah, it's all about, no, I, I think there is a prayer because God has provided every step of the way that uh, so far in the story. And the thing is, is I wish that we had more time to share the story, but if you want to know more, they're going to be in the back. Please talk to them. Also, you can sign up at the Next Steps area for the email. There's an area back there if you want to get that email, if you want to process that. Um, I would also encourage you if, um, if you're like, I can give. I, don't, I can't give much, but I can give $2 a month. That matters. Like, it doesn't, it doesn't matter. Oh, I can't give enough. Like, no, that's just a, lot, a lie. And if you can't, you can't. But if you can, I think that would be uh, huge to continue to further the kingdom. Uh, I would right now, if I could have uh, the elders uh, come up, I would like you to pray over you guys. Um, and I'm also going to ask anyone else that would like to come up, lay hands on them. Uh, we are going to pray over Steve and Danae. And um, you guys can step up front. Um, if anyone else, I know uh, if God's put it on your heart, 
<coughs> take no rush take your time What I love about this is the church family gathering and loving, loving our family as we go out and do missions. Let's pray. There any Father, I pray right now over Steve and Danae and their family. I pray over them as they follow your will at every step of the way. Whatever you call them to do, may they be obedient. May they listen, may they show the grace and mercy of God, and may they never step in, but may they listen to you. May we as a church family not forget to pray, not just pray today, not just pray tomorrow, but we pray every day for Stephen, Danae, and also other missionaries that we know that are out there. We're all on the front lines. We're just at all different areas. And right now, as Steve and Danae are on the front lines of working with these young people and these old people that have lost legs from, from losing legs from boiling fires to hippos to different issues, I pray that they show the grace and mercy of Jesus Christ and it's shown through them by their obedient hearts. And may the money and may the supplies be provided in radical ways that they only know and can bow to you not through human ways, but by godly ways. And may that be shown. We love you. We praise you. And we just pray over them right now as they are obedient. I thank you for their story. I thank you for the parts that you've already, when they probably already thought, oh, this isn't going to work out, you showed up. I thank you for that. And I I praise you for that. Be with them. Bless them. In Jesus' name, amen. You guys, thank you so much. And as we go back to sitting, we're going we're gonna to finish with the song. But I want you guys to continue to process and I, I know Stephen Danae would say this too. There's other people that you know are doing missions. Pray for them. Don't miss that moment. I also know that we think sometimes it's like, oh, they're, they're over in Africa. They're doing real missions work. There's mission work to do here too. If you haven't seen America lately, we have not bowed the knee to God. It doesn't matter. All the world, all have fallen short. All need the gospel. And we get to be a part of that. How cool. We get to be part of the mission to Africa. We get to be a part of the mission in Indiana. We get to be part of the mission. And however that is to you, don't miss those moments, whatever God puts on your heart. If it's just prayer, go back there. Give them the biggest hug and say, I'm going to be praying for you. If it's financial, great. 
If it's, I just want email so I can tell more people about it. It's whatever God puts on your heart. I'm just asking you to be obedient. Just like they were when he was 40 and had to go back to school. That was probably not easy, but it's what God put on his heart.